Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get more great investing content. If you're listening on YouTube, please hit that like button on this video. That really helps to spread the show to more audiences. And if you're on any other platform, your five-star ratings and reviews are a great way to support the show. So please consider doing that. Thank you for your support. Let's dive on into today's topic. And today's topic is investing mistakes. So my goal for you today is to think about what your investing mistakes are because we want to eliminate our investing mistakes. That's the thesis. So the thesis here to rephrase is that a focus on eliminating your investing mistakes is the easiest way to improve your investment returns. So let's dive on into this. It sounds simple, but it's not simple. It's it's not simple, but I do think it's 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 the best way to improve your returns. First, we need to understand what are our investment mistakes. Once we've identified those, we would move on to figuring out commonalities between them and then finally try and find a way to make sure we're taking away good lessons that can eliminate them. So this podcast is really structured around um, some self-reflection. And there's this idea that we all make different mistakes and sometimes we make the same mistakes, but every investment mistake has been made before by others. So you don't necessarily need to repeat all the mistakes everyone else does. You can learn both from your own mistakes and from other people's mistakes. So I'll talk a little bit about some of my mistakes in this um, podcast, and I would hope that you could learn from some of my mistakes and not have to make them yourself. But what I want you to do is at the end of this podcast or during this podcast to think about what are some of your own investing mistakes as a framework of really setting the stage for trying to eliminate them from your process. So that's where we're going to go today. And let's dive on to the very beginning here. What have been your past investment mistakes? This question sounds simple, but I don't think it necessarily is. I think sometimes it's hard to differentiate between what has been a mistake in an investing process and what has been a mistake in investing result. So just because the result of your process is negative doesn't mean that it was caused by a mistake on your part. Likewise, just because you make money on an investment doesn't mean that it was a success in terms of you didn't make mistakes in your process that led you there. Um, as I'm recording this, 
one of the things going on in the market today is a massive short squeeze on GameStop stock. Um, This episode will be released in a couple weeks from when I'm recording it, so it's going to be somewhat delayed by the time you're listening to this, and that's intentional. I'm mentioning that because I think as I look at what's going on in GameStop stock today, there are many changes and huge volatilities in the stock price, and everyone has an opinion on what's going on and what the reasons are, Um, and that's helpful. Because I don't know what the result is going to be. I don't know who's going to make money. I don't know who's going to lose money. We've seen missteps by brokers. We've seen missteps by hedge funds. We've seen talk of price manipulation. We've seen all sorts of things. Everyone has their own opinion. Everyone has some viewpoint on what's going on, and it's really crazy. So we're not going to spend the episode on that, but it's this idea that what is a mistake? Does a price change determine a mistake? Does a business change determine a mistake? Does the process that went into your decision-making determine the mistake? And that's where I think it is. It's about your decision-making. It's about making sure that when you buy a stock, you've done sufficient research, your process has evaluated an intrinsic value for the stock, and you are intentionally buying a company with a certain expectation for the company that you believe will result to be the outcome. And then judging your performance based upon that. And GameStop's a useful framework in part because I've been an investor in GameStop in the past. I have a podcast about why I was buying GameStop. I have a podcast about why my buying of GameStop was a mistake. And you can look at all of that in the past history. And I will link to both of those in the show notes um, so that you can be aware of where I might have... um, made those mistakes in the past, and you can see my real-time views on them. And I did a full post-mortem on my thoughts there. But I think it's useful because it's just this idea that just because you make money doesn't mean you were right. So if you bought, let's say, GameStop stock at $10 a share, and you thought it was simply undervalued, and you thought that you were buying it at $10 a share with the goal of selling it at $20 a share, well, it doesn't mean you're right when the price is $400 a share. You didn't predict it going to $400 per share. You predicted it going to 20 And most likely, if you predicted it going to 20 you probably sold at $20 a share. But it also means that you weren't necessarily making a mistake selling at $20 a share, even though it went up to $400 a share, because you didn't predict that. You followed your process. So the key here is you have to stick to your process. You have to stick to your thesis. If your thesis is met and your process tells you to sell, you sell. If your thesis is met or if your thesis fails and your process tells you to sell at a loss, then you sell at a loss. So you have to judge yourself based upon your actual process, based upon your actual decision-making. And the mistakes come in a few key areas. The mistakes come when you step outside your circle of competence. The mistakes come when you make investment decisions that you know 
don't follow your process, but you're caught up in something irrational. You're caught up in fear of missing out. You're gambling on buying a stock that's doubling and tripling each day because everyone's doing it. Like, look at everyone else getting rich. And that's what's going on right now at GameStop. And I, I mentioned $400 a share. It might hit $4,000 a share. It might hit $40,000 a share before I'm done with. Or before this episode came out, it could be at $4 a share. I have no idea. Um, and that's what makes it interesting. I'm not predicting it because I don't own it. Um, but the key thing is here is that the price change of a stock doesn't determine what's a mistake. Mistakes are based on process. Mistakes are based on the decisions you make independent of the results. Okay. And so that's where we need to go because that's not always clear how we get to making that decision. So the first step here for you is really to think about what have been your past mistakes. Where have you gone outside your circle of competence? It is good to look at areas where you lost money. Not because losing money signals for sure that you made a mistake, but it is a hint that if you lost money on an investment that you might have made a mistake. You might not have predicted something accurately. You might have made a misjudgment. What were those misjudgments? Did you misinterpret what management was going to do? Did you not fully understand the business? Was there a negative surprise in the business performance that that didn't match what you thought? Or was it something in terms of um, your psychological makeup? Did you buy a deteriorating business um, where your analysis showed it was deteriorating, but you didn't have the conviction to hold on as the stock price deteriorated? You didn't have the conviction um, that you were truly right that this cigar butt was a good deal. Or was your mistake something along the lines of when you were buying a high-quality business, you paid too high a price? Maybe that's where you make your mistakes. You buy high-quality companies, growth companies at 30, 50, 40 times earnings, and that ended up being too high a price. And so you had multiple contraction from 40 times earnings to 20 times earnings, and that caused you to lose money. Um, Or did you misinterpret growth rates? Um, did you think a company was growing at 20% a year, but it's really only growing 5% or 10%? Um, what those things should signal is they should signal the boundaries of your circle of competence. What's important as an investor is not to have the largest circle of competence, but it's important to know the true boundaries of your circle of competence. If you think you have a large circle of competence and you have a small circle of competence, that's a severe problem because it means that you're going to make decisions that you feel confident in and yet be completely wrong in them. And if you do that repeatedly, over time, you're going to lose money. You're going to perform poorly. Even if um, you perform all right in the interim. So. Your process drives your results, but it only drives your results in the long term. In the short term, there's going to be noise there. So really worrying about signal versus noise, really trying to understand those differences between um, how what you do leads to your performance. Um, So the other aspect here is too, it can also be a mistake to think that your circle of competence is too small, but that's not going to be as big of a mistake. 
It's okay to think your circle of competence is small, but have it really be bigger because as long as you're staying within the stuff you know, um, it limits your area um, of expertise to stuff you're just really, really confident in. And I think that's where you should start. So part of what you should be doing as you improve your process is to figure out what you've been doing that's outside of your circle of competence. And that's what I mean by eliminate your mistakes. Eliminate those activities which are outside of your circle of competence that are causing you to lose money, that are causing your performance to be worse than it otherwise would be. And I think that's the low-hanging fruit for many investors. If you're listening to this podcast, this is probably one of the easiest ways that you can improve your investment performance. Stop doing what you don't actually know how to do. Stop making dumb mistakes. You know, this is what I'm working on. I'm working on this right now. This is what this whole podcast is. This is what my whole DIY investing podcast is about. It's about talking through what I'm working on in my own process as I'm doing it. You're along for the ride, just there with me. I'm not an expert on everything. I'm learning alongside you, and this is what I'm working on. There are things that I have been doing in my investing process which I am actively eliminating. For me, one of those things is buying poor quality stocks. I'm no longer going to buy bad companies. It's outside my circle of competence. I've realized that I am not good at evaluating a declining business. Last week's episode was about momentum. I talked about how declining businesses are hard to predict. I talked about how you can get negative surprises. You might think a company is declining by 3% a year, and then you get a negative 20% year. That's what happened with me with GameStop when I owned it, is I could not accurately predict how their future performance is going to go because it was declining. And it just had a level of uncertainty I wasn't comfortable with. Well, the easiest way for me to avoid losing money on companies like that in the future is to not buy companies like that in the future. So I'm just eliminating one of the areas that has caused me to lose money. Just not going to do it. Just eliminate it. I don't have the expertise to do that well. You might. Other people might. But I don't. So I'm just not going to do it. And I think this is a useful idea because what you might be doing in your portfolio, you might be running three or four or five different activities, but maybe two of those or half of those aren't really adding value. Maybe it's those same two or three things you're doing that are consistently causing your losses, that are consistently causing you to make mistakes. Just stop. Stop making the same mistakes over and over again. Find those areas that are leading you astray. The other thing that's led me astray is a lot of times um, basically buying anything that's just being bought because it's cheap. So I talked about declining businesses, but stop buying bad businesses. Stop buying stuff that looks cheap but might not be because they're definitely less than intrinsic value. I'm really good at calculating an intrinsic value. I understand that. That's that's a fundamental base layer of what I work on now. That's not a major hurdle for me anymore. But I don't want to buy a stock that's worth a dollar for 50 cents if three years from now, it's still only going to be worth a dollar. 
because that caps my upside. That means that I can only double my money. I can't triple my money. I can't 10x my money or 100x my money. I want the value of the company to be compounding over time. And so I don't want to buy asset plays. I, that's an area that I've bought in the past, and it's caused me to either lose money or compound slower than I otherwise would. You see, what I've done over time is I've shifted my strategy over time. I've, I've learned things over time. I think we all do this. We adapt and we learn. But the areas where I have had a high rate of success, not just a hitting percentage, but a slugging percentage in terms of baseball terms, is in the high quality companies, companies that are both cheap and good. So I really want to focus on those areas. And so it's not just focusing on those good areas. It's just straight up eliminating the bad areas. Because what I don't want to do is say, okay, well, my main focus is high quality companies. And I'm going to put 80% of my money in high quality companies. And then I'll fiddle around with 20% in the junk, the deep value, the net nets, because I think it's interesting. No. This is not the lesson to take away from this episode. What I'm trying to do, what I am doing, is I'm eliminating those activities. I don't want to do them at all because they're a distraction. And what can happen is if you have 10% or 20% of your portfolio as play money where you can make your mistakes, why are you doing that? It's distracting you. You might spend 80% of your time thinking about 20% of your money, but 80% of your profits are being made in the other 80% that you're not even spending as much time thinking about. This is what I found myself doing. I found that there were areas of investing that I liked to play around in, that I liked to be interested in. I thought it was interesting. It was stuff that I was supposed to do. I was supposed to buy deep value. There's like as a value investor, I feel like you go through phases. It's like I'm supposed to buy net nets. I'm supposed to buy deep value. I'm supposed to buy cigar butts. Warren Buffett did this. Warren Buffett did that. Um, you don't have to make the same mistakes other people did though. You don't have to do certain things just because other people have done them. Chart your own path. Now, it may be that you have made mistakes buying high-quality companies and you're making your money from deep value. Great. That's great. Focus on what's make working for you. I'm not trying to have you copy me. What I'm trying to show is an example. And for me, the biggest mistakes I'm making is putting money into low-conviction ideas. If I don't have the conviction to put 20% of my portfolio into a company... I'm no longer going to put even 1% of my portfolio in the company because there's a lot of companies I look at. And I was like, this is a 3% conviction idea. I think it's a great, it looks like a good stock. Um, it looks cheap, but maybe the management's okay. So I'm not confident in it. So I'll put 3% of my portfolio in it. Or maybe this is a 10% portfolio idea. I like it, but there's some problems around and, and maybe there's some risk here. So it really wouldn't make sense to have more than 10% of my portfolio in it. And so what I'm saying is if I find something that I am not willing to put a full position in, my learning is that I shouldn't put any money into it. If I have qualms with an idea, 
then what's really happening, what's happening in the back of my head is I'm being my I'm telling myself this is outside of my circle of competence. This is not the right stock. There's something wrong with it. There's something that doesn't match on an opportunity cost level. There's some sort of fraud trigger. There's some sort of it's too expensive or it's not good enough or um, the momentum doesn't line up right. There's something wrong. And what I'm encouraging to do is to recognize those signs in your process and just get rid of them. Don't keep around the little 1%, 5%, 2% things that are your fiddling around the edges. Focus on your core competency. And if you get that right, your overall portfolio will improve. Your performance will improve. I'm not saying that you need to adopt my concentration level. I'm saying that whatever is right for you, focus on those things. Don't copy me in this area and don't copy this person in that area and don't copy Warren Buffett on that area. Learn from everybody, make your own process, but focus on the stuff that you're good at. Focus on the stuff that you know, because everything else is both distracting and it causes you to lose money in small pieces here and there. And I think your performance will be better if you eliminate those distractions, you eliminate those negative modifiers on your process over time. So one of the keys here that I want you to understand though is When you're looking at your past investing mistakes, you need to understand what the commonalities are. You know, I've pigeonholed on this idea that declining businesses is a problem for me. Um, And that's because when I look at the money, the places where I've lost money in the past, when I look at the places where I've made mistakes in the past, it's predicting business performance when I already know the business is bad. That's the commonality. So what you need to do when you're looking at your mistakes is where's the commonality for you? What brings it all together? Um, and another key here is it's not just that you don't want to repeat the same mistake, but you need to learn the right lessons. It's very easy to learn the wrong lesson, especially when you make money on a stock. Because one of the big things is if you make a mistake in your process, but you make a lot of money on the idea, you're more likely to make the same mistake again, except now you might actually lose a lot of money. And and here we're going to go back to GameStop briefly. GameStop's a stock that's risen from three, four, five dollars per share to the three hundred, four hundred dollar range per share. It's up a hundred X in a year. That's not normal. The wrong lesson to learn with GameStop is the lesson that I'm seeing some people have around. It's that you hold on no matter what. You let your winners run no matter what. That there's no price too high for a stock. And that the mistake is selling early. The problem here is that this is not a situation that's going to be repeated over and over and over and over again. These black swan tail events are black swans because they're not expected. They're abnormal. There will still be black swans in the future, but they're not going to look the same as this one. They're going to look different. They're going to look different in a way that you don't expect. If your thesis was to buy GameStop at 10 and sell it at 20, that's what you should do if it hits 20. 
So you need to make sure you're getting the right lessons there. When you have a thesis, follow the thesis. If your thesis is wrong, you shouldn't keep the stock. If your thesis is right, keep the stock. But you should also have some idea of when you might sell. If your thesis is to never sell from the beginning, that's fine. But once you start changing it because price changes are occurring, you can have a problem. If you change it because the business has performed better than you expected, that's okay. But you need to learn the right lessons. And I see a lot of people learning the wrong lessons. So it's not just eliminating the mistakes that make that lose you money. It's eliminating the mistakes that made you money in a way you didn't expect if those could lose you money in the future. <sighs> You have to really dive into these things to get make sure you have the right lessons. But the key overarching lesson here is you need to focus on eliminating your mistakes. This can lead to a huge change in your investing process. Imagine for a second what your investment returns would be if you didn't hold any losers, you only hold winners. It's not to say that you're ever going to be successful in all of your future investments. But just imagine if you didn't have those stocks that don't go anywhere because the business isn't doing anything. If you didn't have those stocks that lose you money because you worked outside your circle of competence. Imagine if you only bought the stuff that you had high conviction on that was within your circle of competence that was performing like you expected it to. And you just focused on that one niche area. What would your performance be? You know what? It's probably better than a 1% or 2% performance per year improvement. It's probably a lot better than that. Losing money destroys your performance. Losing money is incredibly bad for the returns of your portfolio. So finding out how you're losing money and stopping it can be a huge payoff. So I just encourage you, reflect a bit on what your investing mistakes are. Write them down. Focus on the process instead of the result, but the result can be a clue as to your process. Not always, Make sure you learn the right lessons, think about them, and focus on eliminating your investment mistakes. Don't invest outside your circle of competence. By focusing, this is a key word, by focusing, I believe you can improve your investment returns. I have seen a marked improvement in my returns as I improve my investing process by simply focusing on eliminating mistakes. I'm not making my winners get bigger. I'm eliminating my mistakes. And as a whole, that's improving my investing performance. So thank you for listening for today's podcast. The full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's show, are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 111. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth.
Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.